Hello and welcome to the Hidden Stories of the Royal Parks, a podcast series where we explore behind the scenes to discover the amazing stories of the Royal Parks in London. My name's Richard Paring and I'm the Learning Manager for the Royal Parks. This morning we'll be looking at the huge concerts that are held in Hyde Park. I'll be talking to Jess Chambers, Events Communication Manager for the Royal Parks, and she'll be giving us a behind-the-scenes look at these events, the history of how they came to be held here, and what it takes to make them happen. Hi Jess, uh, welcome to the Royal Parks podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? It's, it's hot. It's very hot, yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm well, thank you. We can't complain. No, good, good. So um, just to start with, I, I wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about what your role is at the Royal Parks. Yeah, so I'm the communications manager, uh, which basically means that I'm responsible for making sure that the Royal Parks charity is represented positively at all events whether that be in the branding of events or in the news. For example, I work with the organisers of BST Hyde Park, ensuring that the Royal Parks logo is included on the event artwork and our key messaging is included in any press releases. It's important for people to know why we hold events. It's not just because they're enjoyable for all who attend, but because the income raised from events across the Royal Parks goes back into the Royal Parks, all eight of them. Yeah, and I, I think you have the kind of job where I think, I guess if you tell people, you know, in the pub what you do, um, they're probably massively jealous. So, um, <laughs> just how, how, do you get, how do you get into this line of work? Yeah, it's pretty much a dream job for me, really. Um, I worked for England Rugby for around six years as a press officer. It gave me a great understanding of not only working with the media, but working at large high-profile high events. I used to travel with the Sevens team to the Hong Kong Sevens. It's such a fun event. It's not just about the rugby, but a whole weekend experience. It's like a festival within a stadium. The fans all come out in fancy dress. There's music, food, and all sorts of entertainment, including the rugby on the pitch, of course. Um, and it gave me the event bug. I then worked for sponsors at the London 2012 Games before coming here. Wow, that must be incredible, and and, and now of course all, all of the amazing events that happen um, in, in in Hyde Park, and and, and as all, all, of all of the ones that, um, that that you've been involved with since you joined the Royal Parks, what what, do you, what would you say is your favourite event that you've been involved with? <laughs> oh, it's so difficult to choose. I mean, all of them really. Um, all of our events are very different from food festivals art fairs, half marathons and concerts, no two are the same so it's hard to choose a favourite really. Um, I was not here during the London 2012 Games as I was working on the sponsor side of things. I came here just after but some of my colleagues were here then. It was such a special time for London and a special time for the Royal Parks. The parks played a huge part in the Games. We had the open water swimming and triathlon in Hyde Park, the beach volleyball in St James's, Park and, and the equestrian in Greenwich Park to name just a few things. Um, I came here in December 2012 right in the middle of Hyde Park Winter Wonderland which was uh, certainly an eye-opener for me. <laughs> um, but I guess for me the concerts are special and I've always loved live music. Um, I first came to Hyde Park as a teenager in 1998 to party in the park. I don't know if you're uh, you're probably too young to remember that, um, but it was it was basically a pop extravaganza with Boys Own, Steps, All Saints, you know, you name it, all the other 90s pop acts. Um, and, uh, and and I never thought that 14 years later I'd be working at the concerts in Hyde Park. It's um, as I said earlier, it's a dream job for me. 
And my first event was British Summertime Hyde Park in uh, 2013. That was my kind of first full on event. Um, and it was the very first British Summertime. Uh, you know, we, we, we'd never held it here before. Um, and they opened with Bon Jovi and it was a hot July evening, much the same as it is today. Um, and when they played Living on a Prayer, the hairs on the back of my neck, you know, stood on end. It was amazing. And the following evening we hosted the Rolling Stones and again that event will live in my memory a beautiful July evening and listening to the fans chant back at Mick Jagger woo woo to sympathy for the devil it was definitely a highlight excuse my singing um, <laughs> since that but since that first year BST has gone on to become the master tent event of, of the summer, you know, playing host to huge worldwide artists like Taylor Swift, Black Sabbath, Stevie Wonder, Carol King and Celine Dion, again, to name a few, but there, you know, so many huge artists have played in the park over the last few years. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit to, I, I was at the Celine Dion one myself and that, that, that for me had the same, the same effect. Well, maybe I shouldn't be admitting that on a podcast like this. <laughs> it's not, not cool, but um, I, I don't know. I, I think I, I'm, I'm obviously a big big geek when it comes to, to music events like this. And, um, I'm sort of always asking this of colleagues that are involved in the events, but have you met anyone famous um, in, in your work with the, the concerts and, and, and who were you most excited about, about meeting? Oh, I know. I, I'm going to sound really boring, but I don't really get that many opportunities to meet the artists as I'm usually in the background making sure that the branding looks right or the press release has gone out. I also do a lot of work with the local community during the concerts. So I'm usually monitoring the sound levels to make sure that we don't upset our local neighbours, our local Hyde Park residents. Um, I, I will say the strangest press conference I've uh, been to would have to be for Blur. Uh, they held it above a Chinese restaurant in Chinatown, which, you know, was very them and very unique. Um, but yeah, it was a, was a first for me. <laughs> it's been amazing. And do you, so do you get to be backstage while the concerts are, are, are going on or do you tend to be kind of out the front um, side of things? Yeah, so it's a mix really. Um, I'm, I'm behind the scenes quite a lot of the time. And then I do walk around the site and I see what the sounds like. Um, in, in front of stage to make sure that the audience experience is the best that it can be and that everyone's having an amazing time um, before I then check off site. So you'll often see me during a concert walking around the streets of Mayfair uh, or up at Marble Arch checking what the sound levels are like in the local community to make sure that we're not upsetting any of the residents. You know, it's very important for us that you know, we hold really successful, great events, but that we don't upset the people that live and work right on our doorstep. Yeah, of course. I suppose that's probably not something that people who are in the concert caught up in the moment are giving second thought to, you know, oh. at, at, the, at the time. So it's, yeah, it's, of course not. You know, when I, you know, when I've been to concerts before, you're, you're living in the moment and having the best time. Um, you're really not thinking about that, but um, that's, that's my job and that's where I come in. So, um, you know, it's, it's such an important part of, of running these events in a, a central London venue like Hyde Park. Yeah. Definitely. And, and and what's it like behind the stage when there's a concert, when the acts sort of are in progress? Is it sort of, is it calm or is there a sort of big party going on or is it it's, sort of a, a mix of a... <laughs> it's really calm. Um, there's a lot of people 
with a lot of important jobs that are just concentrating on what they're doing. Um, we have an event control room, you know, which is like the hub of any event um, where all the different agencies sit, you know, from the emergency services to um, to the local council. And obviously the Royal Park sit within that and everyone's, you know, watching and listening to each other and working together to make sure that the event runs as smoothly as possible so it's a real calmness backstage um but of course you can you can hear the music playing and it's it's hard not to not to enjoy it at the same time yeah of course hmm. um i mean the pandemic has has caused huge challenges for the for the whole entertainment industry and what would you say it's meant for you personally and for the events that are, um, you know that usually happen here in Hyde Park yeah of course it's been really sad for me personally not being able to work at events um, and not having any events it's been a real challenge but you know that's been the same for everyone you know who you know who work across events and it's it's really hit the industry hard um, and we didn't get to host any major events last year and as a charity we rely on our events to fund the maintenance and protection of the park so they're vitally important and again this year we have a reduced event schedule with no BST Hyde Park um, and that's a shame but hopefully we can make up for it next year with a with a full schedule of events you know obviously whilst keeping everyone safe yeah and I, I think I mean you know the nowadays i suppose we'd, we'd sort of take it for granted that these sorts of events uh, happen here but i guess it'd be good to talk a little bit about the history of these you mm. know these concerts and how because they didn't sort of suddenly start happening one day um and and, and the, one of the amazing things i think about hyde park is that you've got such variety across the park you've got you know meadows and lakes and woodland areas and you know sports pitches and all that kind of thing and then on the eastern side you've got this just huge sort of almost empty open space right next to Oxford Street which is perfect for holding these enormous concerts in so how have we ended up with this you know massive great big open event space like this right in the centre of London? Yeah I mean it's like you say it's so varied isn't it I mean <laughs> to, to hold the triathlon here in London 2012 and the open water swimming and then on the other side like you say on the parade ground have you know concerts during London 2012 as well it's it's a, it's a venue for that can host everything and anything um you know Hyde Park has a long and historic tradition of hosting events dating back to the great exhibition in 1851 and I'd say the big the first big name artist music artist to play here were Pink Floyd in uh, 1968 and then followed by the Rolling Stones in 1969 and they played really small intimate gigs I think you can you can actually see some of the footage on our website um, on the Royal Parks website uh, and they played in the cockpit area of the park and that's right next to the Serpentine so it must have been amazing to to be there um, and then but following this because of the events and they grew and obviously popularity um, they moved to the parade ground area and that's that area that um, to the north is obviously Marble Arch and it's a huge area that we can obviously use and put infrastructure into um, that means we don't disrupt the rest of the park um, so yeah so that's that's now the traditional area for for events yeah, and I suppose those are, those concerts in the sixties and, and seventies were probably organised in quite a different <laughs> different way. I think from from what I've read, there were enormous numbers of people there, but I, I don't suppose it was sort of um, controlled in any way. No, <laughs> no, no tickets on sale, no, and no event control room in those days. But um, 
but it was like you say it was the 60s and uh, I think anything anything went but um, yeah when you see the footage from from those events it's very free and easy and everyone just you know having a having a great time Um, but it it kind of it it was the 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 grounding I guess for for then events to come so so today what goes into to, to making these events happen how do you go about planning enormous events like this i mean it must you know it must take a, take a very long time for a start uh well yeah <laughs> it does it takes it's an it's it's all year it's every day all year um we have a, a, an extremely experienced team who work with the event organizers to make sure that the events are successful and we also work with a lot of partners around the park you know those that i've mentioned you know the, the local council transport for london the emergency services um so there's a lot of different components that go into making the events success it's not just us and an event organizer um and it's yeah it's a big job it's 365 days a year so so it's not just one person working on the event you know for those two weeks it's it's planned all year round and you know there's a lot of meetings that take place behind the scenes Mm. And and so what role, because as you say, there are lots of people involved, what role does the Royal Parks play in particular in, in, in organising it all? So we work with um, the big event companies um, and we have a dedicated team, as I say, who work with events all year round. As land managers, we're responsible for making sure that the event runs smoothly and is run well with minimum impact on the park and park users, whether that's making sure that trees are sectioned off to protect the roots or as as in my role that the sound emitted from the concerts doesn't cause a nuisance to our local residents and we work really closely with our event partners AEG Live and for us BST Hyde Park has raised the bar in terms of a live outdoor event and whether that be the quality of the food on site the stage look and feel the sound the facilities and even the toilets everything is well planned and well thought out and the artists are the cherry on the top that make BST the must-attend event of the summer. And we've worked with AEG Live since 2013 and they know what fits in with the park and what artists we expect in, in Hyde Park. Yeah, so how do those acts get, get chosen? You know, what, there must be you know, lots, of, lots <laughs> of reasons behind it, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, um, like I say, we've we've worked with BST and AEG Live, uh, who who run BST for us. Uh, we've worked with them since 2013, so there's an expectation there with them um, that that we both know what suits Hyde Park and what works works well for Hyde Park. And you know that's why we've had the caliber of artists that we have. Um, you know, not every outdoor venue in London is 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 getting a Stevie Wonder, you know, or a Celine Dion. So. Um, you know Hyde Park is is the venue that artists want to play in and we're very 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 proud of that um, you know for us to have been able to host two nights of the Rolling Stones back in 2013 you know it was a it was a very proud moment for us and we've we've built this event since then and we're we're extremely proud of where it is today. The parks are all about sustainability and, and care for nature so how do you make sure that the events don't damage the park in the long term? So, as I said earlier, the money raised from our events goes back into the parks. 
and we work with event organisers to make sure that we have all the mitigation measures in place to protect the park before, during and after events, whether that be low level lighting around the bat and owl sensitive areas and facing lighting away from bat roosts, putting trackway down to protect the grass, fencing off trees, keeping vehicle movements to a minimum um, and not and not letting them go across the go across the grass um, and making sure that large structures are built are built off site and um, where possible bringing them on site um, to then be kind of finished um, and you know we plan we plan and manage the installations really carefully so as not to damage any tree roots or grass um, and we also make sure that the location and storage of fuels is is carefully managed to prevent spills. And we're also working closely with our event organisers on the environmental impact of events. You know, it's so important now. Things like swapping plastic for compostable food packaging, using biodiesel to power events, making sure there's zero waste to landfill and leaving and having a leaving no trace policy. So making sure that people take their litter with them or if they don't, um, that the, the litter is collected after events and doesn't end up in the park or, you know, in the serpentine. And the parks are, are open to, to everyone, of course, you know, regardless <laughs> of background or income or, um, you know, whatever their situation is. So with these events, how, how do you make sure that everyone can access them in some way? Well, we strive to make our events as accessible as possible, you know, trying to choose a price point that's um, that can be reachable by by most budgets. Um, you know, for example, at BST Hyde Park, we have an open house, which is during the midweek of concerts. It's free and open, so anyone can come to the parade ground and access the site and enjoy the activities that are there. So things like open air cinema, there's free yoga and sporting activities, or you can just wander through the site and soak up the atmosphere. <laughs> a few years ago, um, I was working on site we we had a flower show for the royal park so we were selling flowers um and getting donations for our flowers which obviously the money raised then went back into the park but some of the visitors were treated to a sound check by michael buble i don't think they could uh they could believe what they were hearing or seeing so you know it's always worth coming down during the midweek um in between concerts just to see what's happening on site I remember that I was there too for when, yeah. when he came out on stage and I, I, I remember him turning on the charm for the sound check in exactly the same way as he, um, <laughs> as he I'm sure he does for, for the actual gig it was a, it was quite quite a moment yeah I yeah, think people didn't realize they, they thought actually is it him they kept looking and they were like it is actually him <laughs> <laughs> it was a, that was a, a good day yeah <laughs> um I mean I think I'm after the gossip now. So, so presumably there are times when um, when things don't go to plan. Um, so, what's what's the most unusual problem that you've ever had to solve? Well, mm, well, I, I thankfully don't really get involved in the operational elements of the event. Um, as I say, my colleagues who who are event <laughs> event managers, they they kind of do the nitty gritty. But being an outdoor event, we face many challenges. But probably one of the biggest is plumbing and toilets. Um, I'm not going to go into it, but just to say a lot goes into making sure that the toilets on site run smoothly. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave that one to the imagination. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and, and finally, can you give us any hints on who might be lined up for 2022? 
Well, we already have two nights of Pearl Jam confirmed and they're playing on July the 8th and 9th and Duran Duran are confirmed for the 10th of July. Um, so you are going to have to watch this space for, for more announcements soon. But what I can say is that 2022 promises to be one of the best yet. You know, they've been away now, BST, for what will be two years. So, um, you know, I'm sure the event will be back with a bang next year. Oh, I can't wait. I, I know we're all, you know, uh, everyone's desperate to get back to that kind of normality and and, uh, and have those live experiences again. So um, I know we're, we're really looking forward to it. Um, mm -hmm. Thank you so much, Jess, for joining us today. It's uh, been fascinating to, to hear about your work and what goes into making these events happen. And uh, thank you for taking part in the podcast. Not a problem. Thanks, Richard. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Hidden Stories of the Royal Parks. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Royal Parks is a charity that supports the eight Royal Parks of London. If you're interested in learning more about how you can support us, please go to www.royalparks.org.uk support. Thanks so much for joining us and we look forward to bringing you another episode very soon.